by alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. What is up, my soccer folks? This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I am your host, John, and alongside me this fine fall day, as you can hear the glasses clinking, is the Nate Morales. Nate, there is a fantastic fall feel in the air, which normally would mean open cup soccer for us, but if we hadn't been kicked out of the tournament... Um, and it would also mean for me, like tons of college recruiting. So I'm getting to watch a lot of games, mm-hmm. um, but not this year. The, so- uh, the, the gods have said no, no to our normal <laughs> fall soccer. Um, but it feels like maybe soccer is starting to normal out a little bit. Soccer is the only thing that feels close to normal right now, John. Right. Outside of this wonderful glass of whistle pig in my hand. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Sounds great. So I'm living for tonight, John. We got a we got a really great show uh, with a special guest that we've never talked to before. Another weekly MVP. Really excited to have him. Uh, first, we're going to cover the week six recap of the Minneapolis City Ben Wexler Brotherhood Cup seven v seven league, uh, and of course, we'll talk about playoff seedings because playoffs start Wednesday night. That is tonight. If you're listening right now when this podcast is posted, uh, and then we're going to welcome Mitch Wolf to. The show, Mitch, is the uh, is the MVP winner from last week. He is an uh, up-and-coming goalkeeper in this Minneapolis City system who has definitely been around the world. So I'm really excited to talk to him. Uh, and we will play our favorite game, Ask John Anything. But first, John, let's dive in. What happened last week in the Ben Wexler Brotherhood Cup? Well, we, we're, uh, we gotta be up to what five or six. We're at week six, yeah. So, um, week six of the Ben Wexler Brotherhood Cup brings an end to league play and 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 shuffles in the seedings for the playoffs, which will begin this coming week. Um, so if you haven't quite been paying attention, you can head on over to uh, mplscdsc.com/slash 7v7-league. Or you can just go into the main navigation on the website, and there's a there's a link you can go there. Um, essentially, it's an intra-squad league, seven seven v seven. Uh, it's all current uh, Minneapolis City one and two players, along with some trialists and some new guys, a la Mitch, who who I will be talking to here in a little bit. Um, but Nate, as the regular season comes to an end, um, once again you were on parent duties last week, so mm-hmm. I I was Johnny on the spot up in Blaine for what Way turned out to be some serious fucking soccer, man. Um, A lot was on the line in the Brotherhood Cup. Um, You know, there were three potential teams that could all take first place um, or uh, the top seed, excuse me. Um, And, and so results were definitely needed. So match one was the game this week where we saw the poor turtles drop another three points again by a loss of six to two uh, versus the uh, the one-timers. So just when you thought things were, were going to turn around for the tackle by turtles, um, they got some, um, some defensive help back with the return of miles Norville and Matt Murakami, which is where they desperately need it. And they went into the second half two two tie. 
Um, they had, you know, like I said, they had those players come back, um, but that was not enough to, to tamper the hot hand of the one-timers as they poured on four goals in the second half on the back of two by Joe Sway, uh, one by Sambo and one by Trialist Scotty Heinen. Um, so let me put it this way. They looked less hapless as they had in the past. Um, and they, and like, they looked as if they like were starting to figure each other out, but then it, it, they didn't, they haven't had their defenders, their proper defensive players back for long enough for them to be able to move some of the players like, like Steve back up into his natural spot and get comfortable. Um, I mean, Mark Bokeen came back um, to provide some attacking help to Cole Schwartz, who's been really just carrying the goal, the team on his back for as far as goals are concerned. Um, The addition of Dom from the Bavarians um, as a, as a mid season transfer, weren't able to get him going as a true like number 10 um, to support Cole. So, but they were, you started to see it though, which is interesting because there may be a potential for them to catch a heater here in the next two weeks and cause some problems if they can, they can all get, get all their guys there. Um, but, yeah. you know, so they go into the playoffs as the only uh, team to go winless at 0-6. Um, just poor guys, Nate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you think about next week is the playoffs, uh, you know, and hopefully they can get it together. Like, that seems like they're, you know, waiting until the last minute to do it. But uh, this was, to be fair for that to them, this was the, the game they are waiting for. Like the mm-hmm. narrative so far has been they lost these defensive heavy hitters, um, but now they're back, right? Miles has recovered. Matt Murkami is back. So really at this point, who else can they look to for defensive help outside of Steve in his deep and his deep midfielder skill set? Like really it does have to be about finding that cohesion and, and hoping to make a run because otherwise, uh, and they've proven, and we'll talk about this in, in in a little bit, but they've proven that they've got a goal scorer. They've got a guy that can that can get the ball to to into some dangerous places. So it's like if they can pull it all together, it could be dangerous in the first round. Like it, mm-hmm. it could upset that uh, that number one seed. But uh, I don't know, man. Hard to hard to go against what our yeah. eyes have seen over these last six weeks. And I felt bad because like I I wasn't watching that game as closely as I was the other the match two that we're going to be talking about here in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad I was watching the, this one because it was really really good. Um, but when I would glance over, it was like you know they had some good patterns of play. They were connecting some passes. It was just kind of like dumb mistakes that can be fixed, but they just mm-hmm. happen to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you know when you're when you're talking about a team that's got guys like Gibbons and Will Kidd and Samo and just way those guys will just eat up any defensive mistakes and they, that's what happened in the second half and they just yeah. could never get anything going forward so um fingers crossed man hopefully they they figure their shit out <clears throat> so match two this is the man, one this was the one and Nate, it was shot out of a cannon um with uh the bob Dillionaires and the 99ers going at it for what would be the number one seed in the playoffs versus uh the hapless TBT tackled by turtles next week. Um, these teams went at each other. Both teams were close to full strength as the Dillionaires got back Franco Franco Patel and Abdallah Ba, who are probably about the best two type of players you could pick up for a push to win the uh, regular season. Um, right. And the 90 and the 99ers had their usual suspects that have been a consistent cohesive team for the previous five weeks. So it was really like, the two juggernauts of the, of the league, you know, I know the guys from one timers are going to say that they 
they should be in the conversation and they should, but these two teams going at it, like having to, to overtake a quality side um, to, to get the number one seed, um, which I might consider a buy into the final, the way the turtles have been playing. Um, they re- both teams really needed to come out and, and perform. So this game had so many things of note. First off, uh, the Bob Billionaires took the first half lead two to one after waves of attacks. And uh, Troy Luegi, the goalie for, for the 99ers, was just standing on his head. I mean, the guy could literally do no more than he did to keep his team in the game. Um, and that he did, even though they were down two to one going into the half. Um, Abdallah Ba scored the second goal, which was vintage Duluth Abdallah Ba, where he kind of just <laughs> swiveled his hips through like four or five defenders and then just roofed one on Troy that he had no chance at. So uh, it was nice to see Ba back. Uh, the 99ers did hit the post three times in the first half Oof. against against uh, Mitch Wolf, our, our guest tonight. Um, yeah. And then another two more times in the second half. So it was like, if they could only just find that extra inch to, to the other direction, we could have seen you know, a four to two lead instead of a two to one deficit at halftime. So the, the, the framework, and I'm not talking like one post five times or three times. I'm talking that crossbar in both posts in the first half. So they were (laughs) definitely uh, peppering it, but Mitch stood on his head in his own right. Um, He was everywhere uh, when he wasn't uh, hearing the ping of the post, saving, saving him on a few of those shots to the tune of 17 saves in the, in that match. Um, that's so many yeah uh tackles were flying in um you know mitch will talk about a little bit when we we get to him uh later on um you know the the referee was getting yelled at by the guys um they they all just wanted that yeah the guys just wanted that number one seed um so with the game tied um at three after a goal um by nick hutton off of the elusive goalkeeper assist by mitch wolf um, club co-captain Max Stegward took a perfectly weighted pass from Gatto with just minutes left to go to seal the victory. And then kind of like all hell broke loose and everyone's like screaming directions and guys are going bombing forward and people are throwing legs out there trying to stop shots. And it was like, it was very much like a hockey, uh, power play. And, uh, we actually did have our first ever power play, um, with, uh, the aforementioned Stegward getting a yellow card for descent and having to go off for two minutes. Um, so the 99ers even had an opportunity to, to equalize, um, at the death, um, by, by being a man up and they were still able to, uh, to hold it together. And, and it was a few, you know, uh, game savings, uh, saves by Mitch again, um, to keep them in the right side of the column. Wow. So that was it, man. That was, it was so much like, I, there's even more that I probably missed, but it was, uh, it was awesome. It was the most highly and hotly contested game of the whole entire first six weeks. Exciting, man. And given, given the past goal amounts, this, this is really not the game you would have expected to be kind of lower score. Nail biter is probably what we should have, what we should have uh, expected or maybe what we deserved out of this one. Uh, Two great teams going up against each other, 17 saves and an assist though. That is some MVP caliber, uh, performance mm-hmm. if i ever if i ever saw one or heard heard of one uh if only we had that field in the form oh, okay, we could okay. Out, maybe this is i forgot to mention that in the notes here uh pick them but we didn't <laughs> but speaking of the mvp john let's get the updated regular no. season stats man this is uh I this cannot, is the end of the I regular season right? until i say sorry to the pick folks for not including 
an MVP for the week. That's my bad. Uh, you can you can file your complaints to me directly. I will fix it for the next two weeks. I think the you know the approach was good. We missed it, and then it was like, well, do we want to send a second form out and just have like two forms floating around in people's no. inboxes? And that didn't feel fair either. If you decided to answer the one that uh, that didn't have the MVP field. So yes, yes. So I made a big boy decision to not confuse people. So anyways, the golden boot race mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. was heated up again. Uh, Cole Schwartz did score again, and uh, Justin Oliver was held scoreless. Um, so what that does is it ties us up wow. going into the playoffs with Cole Schwartz and Justin Oliver um, tied atop at 12 each, followed by three players at seven in Mito Youssef, Josue Batule, and Will Kitt. So, um, I mean, with two weeks left to go, you never know what could happen. I mean, this is what I was, this is what I was talking about though. With Tackle by turtles. Mm-hmm. You've got a golden boot contender, you know? So if you can just, if you can get consistency on your defense and organize as a team, yes, you could you 100%. Could um, as far as a Cisco, um, it seems to be a one horse race, um, with Matt Gibbons leading at 13 and then Tyler Oliver with 10. Uh, if you remember seven of those 10 came in mm-hmm. one game. Um, so you're really looking at um, the next two players in Mito Yusuf at eight and, and Gato uh, or better known as Javier Juarez um, uh, with five, but then you're looking <laughs> at the table here, Nate, and that's one player from the one timers with 13 assists and then three players from the 99ers with a collective 23. So like, that that just means that Gibbons is really sure. setting the table for, um, for you know, for his his uh, his teammates. And then if you if you go back to the Golden Boot race, um, you know, fourteen goals coming um, from Josue and Will Kidd, plus some Samo goals and some other goals in there. Um, Gibbons is probably setting up two ga- two two goals a, a game, and that's super valuable um, to have a guy who who's constantly willing to do that game in and game out. From a goalkeeper stat perspective, um, a lot to cover here. Um, Mitch Wolf, who we'll be talking to in a second, um, leads the league with um, 57 saves and only 17 goals against, followed by Troy Lewicki with 53 goals, 29 or 53 saves, 29 against. (coughs) Devin Thompson of the One Timers, last week's MVP, was uh, 35 saves and 24 goals against. Uh, Matt Elder with 25 (laughs) saves and 21 goals against. Um, and only in three games. So sorry, turtles, uh, Dan Hudeman with 16 saves and 15 goals against, uh, Quinn Kiernett with 14 saves and four goals against. And then, uh, like we mentioned last week, Zuhir Alavasi with one save, no goals against. <laughs> nice. How do you, uh, how do you get credited to a um, save? Troy was and, beaten uh, and he was standing in the goal and someone fired a ball off his ass. So, uh, so, Oh, that so cl- a, a, a clearance off the line with your foot doesn't count. I mean, I would have given it to him with a second foot out, but it just happened to be hit so hard he couldn't get his foot in the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the ass will do. <laughs> well, John, after, after last week when we saw Devin Thompson wrestle the MVP honors away from the field players, once again, we have another goalkeeper who has a gold, gold keeper, another goalkeeper who has done the same. Uh, thanks to the thanks to the framework of the goal a couple times, but still, uh, he he definitely deserves this. That is the Bob Dillionaire's own Mitch Wolf on the back of 
17 saves and an assist, the rare goalkeeper assist, uh, always highly coveted in. Yeah, in these absolutely. Kind of and very, then, very like cool. we mentioned, what that did was that set up our playoff seedings. Um, so the playoff picture goes as as such. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, uh, the Bob Billionaires, the Morris Day and the One Timers, and the 99ers all finished at four wins and two losses with uh, the Turtles coming in at zero wins and six losses. So uh, essentially what it went down to was goal differential. Um, So the Bob Billionaires went with 25-4, 21 against uh, in six games played with a plus four goal differential. Uh, The one-timers with 25-4, 24 against with a positive one. The 99ers, um, who were leading the table up until the last two games, uh, were with 27-4-29 against with, for a negative two. And then the Turtles, uh, 22 goals for, 36 against um, at a minus 14. So that that is how the seeding goes. So you're going to have the Bob Billionaires tomorrow night taking on uh, – or sorry, Wednesday night – taking on the tackle by turtles in the one four matchup. And then the one timers playing the 99ers in the two, three matchup, which should be a great game. Um, And then in two weeks, so we'll cover it next show, but the way the playoffs work is that everyone obviously has entered in because there's only four teams. Um, The semifinal game will be before the final game. And then um, so everyone can stick around and watch. So um, there will be a consolation game. So there, everybody gets two playoff games, um, whether it be, for for the the oh, Brent, nice. Ben Wexler Brotherhood Cup or um, or for bragging rights uh, for not being last place. <clears throat> well, and, and that's going to be good for the pick'em players because that means we have mm-hmm. two full weeks of matchups ahead of us in order to uh, in order to claw back to the top, if you will. Uh, good old this last week, good old Paul Smelt, uh, Smichael and Charles's dog. He led all players nine points, outpacing the standings, outpacing the rest of us. Uh, that's pretty good. That's like what two? I guess that's picking uh, both correctly score and correct. picking yep. scores correctly. Nice, nice. Uh, Uncle Biz's Ballers, led by you and Bryn Shank with uh, MCSC till I die, seven points this week. Followed by the replacements for a season by Colin O'Donnell, David Zeller and his Hamlin High Respects, and me, PK Control. Uh, not, not doing you so did. You had a really good week, and then ever since week. then, it's yeah. kind of been like, mm. so, I know, balling off. But congrats to this week's top of the shit pile pickers. Uh, all of you guys have been contacted by Sarah about the spots you have earned to watch to watch live tonight. And if not, uh, hopefully she'll get to you. She's going to get that info ASAP. That's going to hit your inbox. For the rest of everyone, we just have to hope to do better. So Next I week, do. Championship. I do. I'm loading so up here. I can tell that. you who the um, who the leaders are, uh, the points leaders are. So oh, yeah. with 46 points leading the league is a little team called Uncle Business Ballers. So. Definitely striking distance for for the next few folks. If I if I don't uh, continue on the hot hand I've had, um, Bryn Shank with uh, MCSC till I die is at thirty four points, uh, tied with Colin O'Donnell with the replacements for a season at thirty four. Then it's David Zeller with uh, the Hamlin Hero Specs Hero Specs with twenty eight. Nate Morales, that's you. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, with PK Control yeah. at twenty six. And then Paul and Charles's dog at twenty-two. So good. the top, the top one, two, three, Not four, good. five, six players 
fortunately have the opportunity to to make a push. Um, and like I've, I, 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 I have stated it, um, but I don't know if I've talked about it on the show that if I were to win the coveted uh, free 2021 season member package, um, I will auction that off to the highest bidder to put the money into the Minneapolis City Futures Fund if I do win. So I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be that guy who wins oh, his own league nice. um, and then doesn't try to f- make it right. <laughs> <laughs> let's that's like the dream of every fantasy commissioner is just to win my own yep league. exactly so uh so good luck everybody if not uh we'll we'll do some charity good in the great tradition of our coverage of the wexler cup tonight we honor last week's mvp with sweet sweet airtime welcome to the show for the first time ever mr mitch wolf mitch how are you feeling tonight Good, good. Glad to uh, glad to be joining you guys. I, I appreciate the invite, and uh, yeah, the the sweet airtime is, uh, is is all the payment I need. You know, so sweet. <laughs> we'll take what? note of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cue. That's a cue. Yeah. Uh, so, super great thing about this seven v seven league is that it's really given fans a chance to get to know some some players that might be new to the city world. Or definitely are new to the Minneapolis city world. So why don't you, and that's you, you're so new. So tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got started in soccer and where your journey has taken you up until now. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I'm from the Western suburbs, played uh, high school ball at, at Orno high school. And now um, this kind of links back to a little bit later in the story, but you know, John and I are, are coaching together at Orno. Now we're both on the, the varsity coaching staff. Um, so yeah, I played my, my club ball locally for, for Thunder here. And, uh, then after high school, I, I played at St. Thomas had four really good years there. And I actually would say I'd probably, I probably developed the most, um, at St. Thomas interestingly. And I was really lucky and fortunate just the way it went to get, um, a lot of game time. Uh, and then after that, you know, I really didn't want to be done playing and, and, you know, the, the MASL I had played in a little bit over the, like, maybe sophomore, junior, senior years uh, during the summers, like a lot of guys had. Um, but about that time, there was a really nice opportunity to play for the Minnesota United Reserve team. And a lot of guys don't know that the Minnesota United Reserves existed. And this was back during the NASL days. Um, so I played for them for, for a couple seasons. And unfortunately, they were disbanded when uh, the club went to the MLS. So that was, uh, the end of the, the reserves. And I wasn't really sure what my next step was going to be, but I ended up getting a chance to play, uh, in Sweden through a couple different mutual contacts. Um, and I really, honestly, I really went there in like a week's notice. It was pretty wild. I had let some people know I was looking for any opportunity. And I remember laying in bed and looking at my phone and seeing an email, uh, from a agent in Sweden. <laughs> And at first I thought it was kind of spammy and then I opened it up and pretty soon I was on the phone with the guy and yeah, six days later I was landing in Norway on, on a couple hours sleep. So, um, really, really wild story there. Um, what was yeah, the was, name of your, what was the name of your team? Yeah. So, the, so I played for two clubs there. The first one I played for was EFK Os, And then the second club I played for was, uh, Arvika EFK. Um, Ooh. 
A lot of EFKs there. EFKs, a big, big vowel people, uh, big consonant people, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know that was that was a really cool opportunity, just because um, you know, as an American player, it's kind of a dream to you know play abroad. And I think a lot of guys at my level, they sometimes realize that you know there's there's a lot of great opportunity when you do take the jump to play abroad. But you also, if if nothing else, you can leverage it into a really cool chance to see a different part of the world and you know, have your expenses covered and, and that kind of thing. So, right. um, it's a, yeah, it's a great excuse to basically study abroad for a, for a season. Um, and then I, I made the jump between clubs, which was, you know, kind of a cool process. It was a little stressful at times, but, um, you know, it kind of gave a good, a good feel to it. And, uh, you know, I, I played with some really great, great players over there. I mean, there were definitely a lot of local guys, um, but I got a chance, you know, on, on my first club, I played for some guys that actually had been in Red Star Belgrade's Youth Academy. Um, so just all kinds of different walks of life. Um, and, and, and some guys that had really like lived and breathed the game at a much higher level for like a majority of their lives. Probably no mafia ties there either. No, definitely not. That's a whole different story, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard some, I can talk a little bit about that, but, um, yeah, maybe a different, (laughs) maybe a different time on that one. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so, uh, when I got back, from Sweden it was um fall I think fall late fall of 2018 and then I kind of hit the trial circuit in the U.S. and I, I leveraged some contacts I had got some trials lined up uh, I was training really well over the, the winter and like early spring months and then uh, I think a lot of people don't know this I've told some people but I, I ended up kind of having a health scare where I actually got meningitis oh, um, holy. yeah so very very big big tip here do not get meningitis and if you do um do not get it at the start of the season because it'll take you out of the game for a while do you have an idea Um, where where you got it got meningitis or was it just a freak i think i i hate to say it because it almost makes it seem like it it was just like all for naught but yeah i did every battery of tests they could run on me and basically when the, the doctor explained that you know when they get to the end of the list it's like sometimes you just get meningitis you know sometimes people <laughs> sometimes you don't yeah <laughs> sometimes you don't sometimes, sometimes your buddy might get the sniffles from the cold and then other people it attacks your meninges and you're in a hospital for like eight days straight so it was uh it was really brutal and then i had this um i had this wild like swelling in my knees that was like emergency arthritic attack so for mm-hmm. like a little brief period of time i actually i mean it was pretty pretty rough but they were telling me that i might have some knee damage that would be permanent so for a for a brief period of time there, I was afraid that I wouldn't even be playing anymore, um, and that was that was obviously pretty scary. And I'm you know I'm really really happy that I'm you know I haven't had any real long term effects from that. But uh, it definitely took me out for the spring of 2019, and I, I missed some of the opportunities and trials that I had. I mean I already had you know lined up plane tickets for some of the some of the clubs and stuff. Um, but through a roundabout way, it ended up turning out that my uh, I, I leveraged some contacts I had back to Minnesota United, and I ended up getting a chance to trial with them. And for me, it was like this this wild oh shit moment where I you know I I was barely back in fitness shape. I mean, I had hardly even touched a ball in like three months, and all of a sudden I had a chance to go trial or you know at least join in training with Minnesota United briefly to try to you know get fit is the way it was posed to me. Um, so, you know, not exactly a lot of room for error there, but I was really excited (laughs) about it. 
Yeah. And, and it ended up going, you know, I thought it was going to be like a week. Best, best case scenario would be like a week. And it would be like this memorable week that I would never forget. And through a bunch of different situations, it ended up being that I was with them for like the entire season that year. Um, I got to train with some like amazing goalkeeping minds and like, obviously the whole roster there is you wow. know, just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. So it was, it was probably the highlight of my you know playing career so far. Um, you know, I trained with, uh, Dane St. Clair, Bobby Shuttleworth, and then Vito Minoni. And, you know, Vito was the MLS goalkeeper of the year that year. So, I mean, just to like get a picture with him, you know, it was like an amazing experience. And then just seeing him train day in, day out, that really, I, I think that that really changed how I see the game and like how I approached training situations. Um, just, I mean, just watching him like strike a ball or like catch a ball or any of those guys was just like, you know just soaking up this knowledge and, and they're just so professional about it. So that was, yeah, that was amazing. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot from the coaches there, like John Pascarello, like I said, and then Stuart Kerr was hired on as the goalkeeping coach there. And, um, you know, for, for the next basically over a year, I, I trained with them. And, and like I said, it was, um, you know, it was an amazing opportunity and, you know, they had some personnel situations such that, you know, definitely on match day minus one, I was basically there to serve balls and stay out of the way. And I mean, I totally understood that and was, was more than happy to just do that. Um, but then on other times, you know, like I said, like, like the day after a match or something like that, like I got to jump into, you know, four before tournaments and stuff and, and did a lot of, you know, shooting drills, finishing drills, stuff like that. And, you know, so, so I kind of was able to pick my places where I could really play my heart out. And, you know, I, I think, I think that it was mutually beneficial. I hope that, you know, I, I was able to add something to their trainings by keeping, you know, some of the, some of the volume off, off some of their other guys. And, um, you know, I, I learned so much in such a short period of time. It was just this amazing experience. That's awesome. So are there any, any, any juicy stories or any memorable (laughs) stories from inside the hallowed halls of United headquarters that you can share with us? Yeah. Well, first off, I can, I can just say that, you know, like since I was, I was there during like the NASL days, it, it really is like an amazing, uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing example of just what like an influx of, of, you know, sports money, money does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and like, we were so thrilled with the like facilities back then, especially because we were like an NPSL team. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we were sitting there kind of, you know, mooching off the, the NASL facilities. Like we were, we were loaded. We were super happy about it. And then I walked in that first day and, you know, really it was before it was just like nice high school locker rooms. I mean, it was, you know, perfectly fine. But, you know, then it was like, wow, these are these are top flight players. Like they've got the leather, you know, seat cushions on the locker and stuff. And that was, you know, that was really cool to see. But, um, yeah, I don't know, just like a lot of bullshitting at training and stuff. And just, you know, kind of seeing these guys that I, you know, now watch on TV, seeing them off the pitch was, you know, really cool. We we had lunch, you know, team lunch together like like a like a normal club would do. And, yeah, just a lot of a lot of funny, funny stories from that. Well, there's one that I want to see that I hope you can tell because I thought it was an interesting take. Um, you you told me once about your conversation with uh, Lawrence Ohm about like how he <laughs> yes how he stayed at such a high level throughout his career even though maybe his abilities had waned. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think that this is one of the <laughs> like it was just so funny because he and I I think he and I were actually just eating eating alone um so we were like the first two players into the team room and you know this is because like you know he probably just was like he, he's he's taking good enough care of his body he didn't have to you know 
be on the training table as much as some of the younger guys even. So like mad respect to him. He didn't play a lot. So he probably had a lot of wear and tear. True for sure. He, um, yeah, he, but he, so he, he hits the, he hits the, the lunchroom at the same time I am. And like, I'm doing it because I'm literally trying to sprint out of there, grab food, uh, take some work calls as I'm going to, you know, handle my, my day job basically and do like the, like the remote stuff. Um, and then coach high school soccer later that afternoon. But he, he's sitting there and he tells me, and I forget how it came up exactly, but he was like, you know how I've been able to stay in the league so long? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm dying to know. Tell me why. And he said, honestly, every time I get the ball, I literally look up and I have all the player salaries memorized and I just pass to whatever player is open that has the biggest salary. And I've done that for all these years now and I keep having success with it. And I thought that's like such a great way of saying it. And he even said, he's like, here's the thing at the end of the day, the guys that pay the salaries, they don't mess up, you know, they, they know what's going on. So they've already rated the players for me. So I just have to pick between whoever's open. <laughs> that's, that's some uh, faith in the system. Yeah, it's some faith in the system for sure. But that's he, uh, some that's some big brain thinking right there. He would have been big, in trouble. He would have been in trouble he, if he was passing by someone like Mesut Ozil or Alexi Sanchez. In the yeah. last <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, he, uh, I don't know. He, I guess he let. It's, it's like work, work smarter, not harder, right? What's right. the What's the deal with? He's always. I did notice this that he always stuck on the field at the end of warmups, as everyone tried to hit the crossbar with like one last shot, and he was like the only player that could do it regularly. It was yep. like the running, running gag between me and my, me and my stepson is like every week is all of yeah. gonna hit the crossbar again. And yes, yeah. he did it. He's one of the few guys that does that with like, like a majority probability. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except for Bizworm. Bizworm can do it. I can. I have, vid- I have video evidence of me doing it after <laughs> cracking a summit open with it in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Ronaldinho, uh, yeah, right. is actually based off you, so that's kind of a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, fun fact. Not, not a lot of people in city, uh, the city world know that. But <laughs> you know what, though, Lawrence, he plays with, he played with such a, like a calmness. You know, he and I mean, all those guys are just calmer than your average player because you know, not only are they physically superior, but they're, you know, they're mentally just seeing the game at such a high level that you know they don't have that franticness that you see from some younger players or mm-hmm. even some, you know, some some normal older players. But yeah, Lawrence, like even in like a 4v4 scenario, he was just like smooth and, you know, just kind of like playing at a, a quick pace, but his body wasn't working in like a way that seemed strenuous. You know, he wasn't like a bulldog out there unless he like really needed to be closing someone down. So I guess the only, the only thing I could think of is that he just was so smooth at striking the ball. He just like, he just, it was like a golf pro. Like he could just hit a hundred percent. He yep. could hit a 75%. He just put his foot through the ball and he knew exactly what he was going to get. You know, what some Mitch of those, play, some of those oh. players, sorry, before you go on, some of those players, um, their mind is in, is in fifth gear, but their body's in second gear. We talked about this. Yeah. yeah we definitely talked about this. Yeah. I think the age, the age plays a huge factor in that for sure. Mm-hmm. You need to find efficiencies as you get older. Yeah, little wins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, play, play to your strengths. <laughs> so, Mitch, how did you get how did you get started with City, and how has it been joining up with the guys and working with everyone? Like, is it easy to gel with with the players? What has the culture been easy to crack? 
Yeah. So it's been, I mean, I've, I've felt right at home and I mean, I've had a, a really fun time training. I think it's been, you know, maybe a little bit over a month, like maybe a month and a half now. And, um, you know, a lot of, I guess I can say this, the, a lot of the guys on the city roster and a lot of guys like John and, and, and the guys in the, in the staff, um, you know, these are guys that I've kind of orbited over these past couple of years because, when the United Reserves uh, disbanded, a lot of those guys now joined the ranks and, and are still playing for for Minneapolis City. So, you know, that was kind of a seamless transition for for kind of a, a, a whole group of guys there. And, um, you know, for me, for me personally, I because of the Sweden opportunity and a couple other things, you know, I never I never made that same transition. But these are guys that I've played with, you know, then or back in the Mayak or um, in youth soccer even. Um, and they're guys that, you know, I see on the coaching circuit, um, and all kinds of different, you know, places. So, you know, even if I just played them in the Augsburg, you know, men's winter league, you know, these are guys I've played with just recently. So I knew a lot of them to begin with. So that was like a, you know, a real, a real unique thing because just stepping on the field the first night, I kind of knew what to expect from each player. I knew some sure. of their strengths. Like I, I could kind of read, you know, what they wanted to do with the ball or, you know, what kind of a ball they preferred being, you know, distributed or whatever it might be. Um, so in that regard, there was like a comfort level that was just like immediate from day one. Like when I showed up, I was already BSing with, you know, Charlie Adams and and a lot of those guys and some of the old faces I had seen. Um, so yeah, right away. I mean, I just felt like I gelled and, you know, I've just been enjoying it. It's been really nice, especially in, you know, the crazy coronavirus times, um, to find a, a group that's, you know, this well organized because there's a lot of guys that are, you know, unfortunately still wanting to play at a high level. Mm-hmm. but they they simply have no organized group they can go and play with. But, you know, I've, I've told people, you know, the, the level of professionalism at a city training and just kind of the standard that the coaching staff holds us to and then also, like, the other players hold each other to, you know, these are, like, really quality sessions. And they might be, you know, a little bit later at night on, like, a Monday or Wednesday. But, you know, from what I've seen, every, every time guys show up, they're ready to ball. And I yeah, think that's really in. shown – yeah, that's like just looking at some of the recent matches like my team has had and some of the like fire and, and some of the, the bulldog fights that we've had on the field have been, uh, you know, these are guys that love soccer. And I mean, they want to play and they want to like improve. So I've, I've just been yeah. really happy to see that. Dude, I, so I've had the chance to get up there a few times and every time I'm there, I'm amazed at, at the work that a keeper has to do in the 7v7 setting. Usually I'm watching either your team or, uh, or Luigi's team, right? And it's just like, you guys have to be, on your head half the time like you've got tighter spaces yeah. in the box to deal with you've got more ball movement from from your opponents around you know around the goal definitely more second and third chances uh you yep. know you have to worry about quick restarts quick distribution how does the approach differ in that 7v7 environment versus like full 11 aside yeah so i mean let me just say like i love seven aside like it's it's one of my favorite like ways to play the game and like I just, I just love it so um you know I, I think I sent a text actually to John after after last week's match and um I even told him I think I I think I phrased it, I was just like I am mentally just beat up right now like I am <laughs> so tired like I think we played really well we won it was like a huge victory for us going into these last two weeks but like you just are mentally drained because the, the thing about seven aside is the field is so small that even when the ball is deep into your attacking third of the field, you still feel like there's a chance that they can sting you or have like a quality opportunity 
in just like a few short passes. And like, you know, that's, that's true at high level for 11 aside, but in seven aside, especially with like a full size net, um, you know, it's like your position just has to be so much tighter, mm-hmm. even just in terms of like a North South um, dimension for them hitting through balls. And, you know, guys are always trying to spring long balls to try to get a quick goal and, and like kind of isolate a defensive lapse. So, you know, it's just like, the, the the margins for error are so thin and uh and then like all the set piece stuff is just like mentally draining because you're trying to organize your guys for like you know mainly direct kicks but you know even the corner kicks it's like the corner kicks aren't aren't whipped in they're like punched in you know i mean you can hardly sure. even reposition yourself by the time that cross has come across the face of your net and it's being redirected um so it's just like i feel like from a goalkeeping standpoint one, you're seeing a ton more shots, obviously, because of the closer spaces. But then there's like the little X factor things, you know, like I said, free kicks, throw ins that are just like right on top of you compared to full size games. And it's, uh, you know, compared to someone like Troy, similar to Matt Elder, you're not the biggest goalkeeper out there. Right. So it's like swimming through that crowd has to be has to be difficult. Yeah, for sure. Not. I mean, I, I think that you know, one of the things that I, one of the things that I like about playing on the full size net is sometimes I I think it actually puts the, puts the, puts the advantage into the goalkeeper's hands in some ways, because, um, you know, the games are higher scoring. Um, So guys are, guys are a little bit more, maybe they're a little bit, I, I hate to say sloppy, but they, they know that they have more opportunities to score. So sometimes I think that the, the finishing is a little bit more lax or if anything, it's more under pressure. So it's harder for guys to tee up a, you know, a, a, a mid range shot and, and just bang it in because, you know, they're usually with a defender on their back or somebody about to put an elbow into them and they've got to fire it off quickly. So being a little bit, you know, smaller, you know, like six feet tall and just, you know, being a little bit quicker, I think that helps with like the reaction saves at close range. Um, but then I know like for, for our team, like we've been playing out of the back so much with, with two defenders, um, that I kind of become the third center back. And I mean, I, I love having the ball at my feet. Like that's something that I developed so much, like, especially last year with Minnesota United is it being able to like start counterattacks and direct the ball and like direct the, the pace of play. That's like a goalkeeper's dream because usually we're just shouting at people about it. And, you know, seven aside, yeah, seven aside gives me the chance to like, you know, ping the ball that I'm normally yelling at my center back to play. So it's kind of fun. And yeah. last week you hit one of those balls into Nick Hutton who ended up scoring the game tying goal. So you got yeah, the, I did. the elusive goalkeeper assist. Yeah. Hutton and I have been, we've kind of been mulling it over every, every chance we have a chance. We're talking, I'm always mentioning to him, you know, Hey, if I see you up top, like I'm going to release you. And, you know, he and I were talking about like what kind of ball he wanted me to play. I think it was a wet surface last week. So that kind of helps. Uh, and yeah, for once I was able to look up, see him just like I was describing earlier, like isolated on their back line. And I kind of, kind of punched the ball out there and he did a really good job of, uh, I think he kind of body fainted on the first bounce. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, his finish was, was beautiful. I mean, he chipped it over, over Troy, who, uh, you know, really had no choice but to come out. And I mean, he was standing on his head to begin with um, the whole game. But yeah, Hutton got him on that one. And like, like, I usually don't get too amped up. Like, I try to keep a pretty even keel for, for every match I play in, just because like the mental component, like you can't get exhausted too early. 
but I, I think you guys saw me. I was celebrating pretty hard. I was, <laughs> I was pretty amped up about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, what's the biggest challenge that you face in these inner squad games or intra squad games, I should say? Yeah, I would say, so, you know, like I said, I, I know a huge number of the guys for being like part of a new group. Um, but, you know, there are like a lot of new faces, especially some of these younger guys. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm part of kind of the older group, I would say. So some of these guys that are just out of high school are still playing college ball. It's just, you know, I just don't know a lot about them. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like developing trust with them mm-hmm. and understanding like what they're capable of doing. It, it really affects my communication. Like, am I, am I telling them to try to play out of a troubled space or sometimes, you know, especially in sevens, it, it really is best to just play a deep ball into the corners, let someone like Hutton or whoever is playing your kind of striker role, let them run onto it. And it's almost like a punt in football, you know, just kind of like as much as I love to play and I try to like encourage our team to play and like set the tempo with the ball at our feet. Sometimes if you dish the ball wide, it gives you just enough time to reset and, and gets you out of a tough situation. So I think um, that, and then, and then also I think um, the, the, I know this has been like a huge topic of debate in the group chat and stuff, but like the, the direct kick situation, um, the guys are jackals <laughs> about it. And like, they are, they are ruthless on these direct kicks and the refs are like, there's only one ref. So they're, they're trying to control everyone. So trying to get like a wall set up Sometimes you're talking, trying to direct the wall, and three of those guys in the wall are just bitching back and forth with the ref, and their <laughs> mind is nowhere near listening to where I'm trying to position them. So I got to get really <laughs> loud, scream my head off at them. <laughs> so we ask um, all of our our guests we've had on this fall uh, the similar question, but if you could go back to um, Orno pre St. Thomas uh, Mitch for a second. Um, and talk a little bit about how, you know, we're modeling this, this seven aside league with us with supplemental training um, as our, um, our soon to be launched futures model. Um, how does that benefit a younger player in that 16 to 20 year old age range um, coming into this model as a supplemental component to maybe full-time training and, and that it offers that, you know, high level coaching and training plus that hyper competitive, small sided atmosphere. Yeah, so I think that I think that this is a golden opportunity. First off, um, I I really wish I could have been involved with something like this when I was when I was that age for sure. Um, I think like one of the one of the biggest high level things that it does is if you have the right group of motivated players like like we currently have at City, from what I've seen, um, you know they 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 almost treat it more seriously and they're more fired up sometimes than a full sided league match. So some of the rivalries we have between these teams are really heated, but I think they're in a very healthy way. Um, and, you know, it, it encourages then our like Monday night training sessions, even though we're not playing for league points or anything like that, like it, it elevates that level because guys are used to competing and guys are still fired up for the previous week's uh, Wednesday game and they're looking forward to the game in two days. So, you know, that, that right there just raises, raises everyone's ship. Um, and the other thing about sevens is, you know, I think sevens, John and I were talking about this earlier when we were coaching together. I think that sevens is such a great balance of things that you can, um, bring to 11 v 11 soccer, but at a little bit higher level frequency. Um, but I also think that then the nice thing is that the volume is turned down a little bit. So it's like, you're getting more shots on net. 
but it's in a more controlled situation. The games aren't as long. The field players aren't quite in, putting as many, you know, miles on their boots so they can recover quicker. Um, so sevens, you know, sevens with a big goal, you can just learn so much. And especially from like a goalkeeping standpoint, you're getting so many more shots on net. The shots are usually closer, which, you know, just opens up 11 v 11 when you go back to playing in that situation. And then for me, I think the biggest thing for like young goalkeepers still, and it's almost like a cliche now, but you know, it's playing, playing quality distri distribution out of the back, whether it's from your hands, whether it's hitting side volleys, whether it's uh, striking the ball off the deck. And, you know, if you're in the right situation and your, your field players trust you, like I, like they seem to, and I hope they do now on my team, you know, they, they're willing to give me the ball and, you know, the number of times that you're touching the ball uh, and distributing it out of the back with a, with a striker bearing down on you and you've got to make quick decisions. That is like every time you jump up a level in soccer, whether it's from high school to college or college to pro, like that is what can kill young goalkeepers because mm -hmm. they just can't make decisions in that situation as fast as, as they need to. So anything that helps them in that situation, I think is, is like worth its weight, you know? Well, Mitch, I think the time has come. Uh, <laughs> we, we have had lots of games on this show over four years, okay. uh, but our newest game is one that we like to call ask John anything. So you, you, you spend a lot of time with John, both on the, uh, on the <laughs> as a coach and as a player. So I'm sure you've thought long and hard about some weird things you want to ask him. You can ask John two questions <laughs> about anything. And it could be soccer related. It could be life related. It doesn't even matter. It could be which of his kids he loves more. Um, that's pretty weak sauce. There's even more insane shit you can get into. If well, John some, players, sure. so, some people have moved this to like getting me to tell a story that I've already told before. Yeah. Ooh, that is a good one. Yep. So if John answers both of the questions truthfully, the game is over and he wins. However, if he pleads the fifth on any of the questions, he has to answer the next one. So the trick is obviously try to get him to plead the fifth early so that you can get him with the real question you want him to answer. Or but warm me up and then hit me with the hard one. Yeah, it's okay. never worked. Sorry. Not not neither of these strategies has worked. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so much of an open book that it's been tough for people. But anyways, you oh, know, here, here's your chance. Yeah. So so I only get two questions though, right? Yes. And I should probably try to get him to plead the fifth earlier. Mm. I mean, if you want, if that's your strategy, I mean. Oh man, I mean, I'm kind of balancing. You know, I, I could just get you to tell a funny story that I think would. Everyone would be excited to hear. Well, I, I don't know. I could, I don't know. It depends on how mean I want to be. Right. This is the game that truly divides the good guys from the bastards. Yep. All right. I'll start off with, uh, so, so let me, Nate, let me, let me clarify. If I know he's lying, can I call him on it? Like he cannot he lie. A tale? You know, I have wow. to, I have to answer the question. Okay. Um, John, why did you get a babysitter so you could come and watch tonight's varsity match? Uh, this, <laughs> oh, so there's there's this kid. Um, I won't name any names. I clearly he's never gonna listen to this, but you never know. Uh, small <laughs> soccer community. There's a there's a a set of twins that uh, that are seniors, and tonight was senior night, which means that. All of the um, seniors in the program get an opportunity to play on the varsity for that game. 
it, whether we, you know, we have some that play on JV because of, you know, obviously ability. Um, and these two twins are on JV. Um, and I coached one of them last year when I had the JV team, but his twin brother decided to come out his senior year and play. Um, and he's about all of five feet, uh, you know, wears glasses, like does not look like the soccer player. <laughs> if you look at a soccer player in the encyclopedia, it would not be this guy, right? Like really hard time controlling his body. Like really just is out there to play the game and not like to, to, you know, to win any, any records or any, any fashion shows or anything like that. Like some players are. So, um, I believe it was during, uh, you have Mitchell have to help me fill this part in. So I make sure I get it right. Um, but during the tryouts, uh, there was one day where the kid just showed up with a poncho and, <laughs> and his, yes. his response to Mitch was like, what, what do you, what's the poncho or what's the poncho for? And he said something like, you know, everyone makes fun of the person who brings a poncho until it rains. He's like that type of thinker, right? Like, yep. Um, and tonight, because it was his only opportunity to ever see a varsity field, I literally, with childcare issues with my wife going one direction, me going the other, I hired a babysitter just so I could see what this guy might actually do in a higher level varsity setting. So, uh, <laughs> and John, you're such an open book. Like, yeah. this is amazing. You, you, you explained that so gracefully. But here's well the, done. but here's the thing. The guy didn't do a bad job. No, he hundred percent not. But he's he, he, yeah, and and he's also the guy that just by dumb luck he'll shut down like a really good player because this like, is what I want to highlight. Because, Absolutely, I I tell them about the gif I sent you today. I mean, it, it really is true. Well, we were texting back and forth, and I said I'm literally getting a babysitter so I can watch this kid play. And of course, after we both laughed our asses off because that was actually a thing, uh, Mitch sends me back the the gif of. Uh, uh, of KG with uh, the Celtics saying anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason and the reason I said that is because um, you know so- soccer is a soccer is a crazy game, you know. And like I remember one of the one of the guys I lived with in Sweden, he was he was Polish, and um, he had played up through the Polish ranks, and then um, you know was over in Sweden playing at, at this level. And, uh, you know, he was, he was probably the weakest English speaker of all the guys I, I lived with. And, you know, he, he just watched so much football and he, he always had a funny accent and he, he could barely speak English, especially at the start, but there were some times we'd be watching and something crazy would happen, even at like the premier league level. And I'd be like, I can't believe that just happened. Like, holy shit, that I can't believe that. And he'd turn to me and he'd go. But Meech, this is football. And I was telling John that, you know, one of the one of the by far better players in our program and a kid that like loves the game, he got by, you know, again, you just need lightning to strike once. This kid that John came to watch tonight, he in a inter in an inter squad scrimmage, uh, this kid got the ball at his feet and he just made this a really good player looks silly and continue taking touches up the field. And I mean, the guys on the sideline are going wild. They cannot believe it. And I remember turning to John and I think I even said, I put my arms back and I looked up at the rafters like KG, <laughs> anything is possible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this kid came in and I think he's successful because 
you as a player with a ball trying to go around him have no idea which way his body's ever going to go because he doesn't even know. Yep. And you can't yep. you can't get around players like that. But he's really the most dangerous player in that regard. He really is. He's he was he can't read his mind. You cannot. You, know? you cannot. And uh, and yeah, it, it was <laughs> and like 50-50 tackles. He gives no fucks. The kid just goes <laughs> in and is like, I'm just there's a soccer ball. I'm supposed to kick it up the field, and he'll just go in. Yep. And you think he's gonna get destroyed, but he, the other player just has no clue if what they should do, and he always comes yep. out the victor. So uh, hats off to him today, but uh, yeah, that's that's why I got a babysitter tonight. Was to watch, was to watch his <laughs> dedication. Yeah, yeah, I like that's that. Great. Absolutely. Yep. <clears throat> wow, that was so. I I was wondering if you were going to plead the fifth on that one, but uh, you stymied me with your unbelievable honesty. That was well, that was good. If it, if it makes you feel any better, uh, someone asked me what my first sexual experience was, so I, and I answered <laughs> that question. <laughs> So, <laughs> so it's pretty tough. <laughs> that is a tough one. So I feel like that's just impossible. Then, well, all right, I, I'll ask you this. So, um, do you have? Can you can you describe? Um, it's an easy one, but I, I think it's kind of fun to talk about um, because I'm happy you're going to do this. Uh, what are your redecorating plans in the next couple <laughs> weeks when your when your wife is uh, is on vacation? Um, <laughs> so tell the, tell the you know you know that. he's got a list, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So essentially, um, you know, my wife and I've been together for 13 years, married for five. Um, so we've been together a long time and she's come along for a lot of the rides from a soccer perspective that I've had. Um, but there's a, a couple of things that I, I mean, we all have, um, if you're involved in any level of sport, you have like memorabilia from your past. So I have, um, I have uh, two framed jerseys um, that I, I, I still keep and I've tried to put them up in our house multiple times. And the first thing she sees, and I'm just like waiting for the reaction. And she's like, get that fucking thing out of here. And I, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, so I have like one of my, one of my old Kaiser Southern jerseys. I believe I have, um, uh, Stegman's Jersey from, uh, the year I won player of the year, club player of the year that all the guys signed for me. Um, and then they signed one for, for Dan and Nick as well, um, that year. Um, and then, uh, I also have a trophy from when I came in second in the Minnesota open foot golf tournament, which was also an awesome achievement. So we're talking like three, like big pieces of my sport sporting pass. So she's going out of town next week, uh, in, sorry, in two weeks. Um, I, I plan to completely clear the mantle in our living room of everything that she's decorated with. And I'm going to put all my soccer stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to come home all hungover and just be pissed. Yep. 100%. And I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to hear the garage door open and I'm going to start the clock <laughs> and just see how long it takes. Nice. <laughs> hey, some of those, some of those jerseys, they deserve to see the light of day. You sent me a picture of some of those in like that one. It's like that that old stretchy like mid 2000s oh, yeah. material and i was just like oh like, i crave that it's like i can just imagine what it feels like it's perfect for goalkeeping it's like it's like under armor but it's like four different layers of it it's so thick yep. and it's like the worst material to actually be athletic in <laughs> yep but uh, the uh advances in technology weren't quite there yet and they're like oh we should use stretchy material instead of cotton and you're yep. like 
actually this thing is like seven pounds heavier than cotton yeah and uh i'm super small and the smallest one that they have swims on me and this sucks but um <laughs> uh, but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna display i'm gonna display some stuff on the mantle yeah, they 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 were using the same. They they got this new space age material, and then they decided to use the same template from the hockey division. You know, so <laughs> right, they're yeah. like the old Beckham old Beckham debut jerseys. Right, exactly. Nice. So yeah, so that's what I'm gonna do. Well, there it went, man. I mean, that was the two questions. Great stories came out of it, but yep. unfortunately, <laughs> nobody nobody has yet to just. <laughs> to stop John in his tracks. It's it's going to happen one day and I'm going to get totally embarrassed. Yep. But uh I until we find out find a new game to play, I am I'm I caught a heater. I'm on a hot streak. You're such yeah. you're just too nice of a guy you hold and plus you hold such power over these players. Like nobody's yeah. going to yeah. try that. <laughs> and really I the... hold and I hold grudges. So mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the person to do it is like Stu Holden if we ever get him. Yeah, yeah. What did Jimmy Conrad ask me? He's like, if if someone if someone saw you in the team shower, would they be impressed? <laughs> like, nope, just an average Joe. He's a good player. <laughs> All right, well, Mitch, thank you so much, man, for joining us. Uh, look forward to seeing you at the remainder of the seven v seven games, and hopefully, at city stuff in the future, dude. Uh, it's really good to really good to talk to you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I've uh, I've had a great time, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Like I said, I I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks here, and hopefully we bring home the the championship uh, next week. All right, awesome. Thanks, Mitch. Have a good night, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. That is all for this week's show, folks. Thanks as always to our show's sponsor, Summit Brewing Company. John, I have a 12-er of Oktoberfest in my fridge, and so should everyone listening right now. Nothing is going to beat it on these perfect fall nights. I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm, I, sometimes I put an Oktoberfest in a koozie, and I go and walk my daughter around in the stroller, and I drink a beer. <laughs> Get to the stores today and fill your fridge up with some goodness. Summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it is time to give to the club that gives back, and that is Minneapolis City. We are a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game, as well as our newly formed Futures Program Scholarship Fund. Consider a tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization. Do you have anything that you want us to cover? Any quests you want us to go on? Send us mail. You can send us mail. It's super easy. Hit us up on Twitter. It's fake mail. It's email, kind of like a little mini email that's only a few characters long at the people's pitch or actual email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. But if you're really into using the phone, you can call in and then hear your voice live on the show if you leave a voicemail. Uh, Hit us up on our show hotline. That is 612-460-5683. One more time, 612-460-5683. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can hit the club up at MPLSCitySC on Twitter. If you want to yell at them about something. Hey, uh, (laughs) we're we're cooking up. I'm cooking up something special. For, for all you footheads out there, I'm talking about FIFA Ultimate Team. You got to get to twitch.tv slash MPLSCitySC. 
and follow, subscribe, do all the goodness that the, the Twitchers do, and, uh, and then look out for more coming to you next week. If you're in the know, today, Wednesday, uh, is when the Foot Web app opens up and the action is happening and it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. So take, take, a, take a swing over to, uh, to Twitch and follow and subscribe on the, on the Minneapolis City Twitch channel and you'll be, you'll be in on the goodness sooner than later. And that's going to do it for this week. I am Nate. We enjoyed having Mitch on. Thank you so much to Mitch. Of course, John has joined me as always. Thank you so much to you, John. We'll be back next week with that, with an exciting announcement, kind of giving the details on this uh, new Twitch show. And of course, the 7v7 playoff action. So get your picks in. And... <laughs> yes. Poster burning maple weeds, cradle major keys. Thinking back, I've been major since the minor league. So supreme, too much sauce off my olive NMDs. I can staple steeds, bend the goat so I get the cheese. Never fall, rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets seized. And everything I see is.